This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora koutou, nā mai, hāri mai, and welcome in to episode 188 of Half Measures Podcast. And joining me in our lofty seats here at Half Measures Towers, once again is the Right Honourable Dan Whiting King. Kia ora, Dan. Kia ora, Paul. Do you envisage this as like a half-built tower? Like it's kind of like they've started it, they ran out of money halfway through, and we've just kind mm. of like occupied a floor like it's... And it's kind of known as the half measures tower. Yeah, it's classic, classic project. Mm. MVP has just about been implemented. There's no, there's no phase two. It's kind of like the Death Star. Like you can, you recognize it for what it is, but you know it. In, I like in it. A, I like it. I, I do. I, could work yeah. there. I do imagine them quite lofty. I sort of think of us as being because I was thinking about us being judgy. That's what, I think that was what I was thinking about us sort of judging the material that's presented to us. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, I was actually thinking about as I was. Because, you know, when you said, oh, you're doing the intro today, I was thinking about um, what to say. And someone said to me a while ago, would I consider ever allowing an AI to write the introduction to the pod? To the pod? And I feel like that would be pretty easy to spot because, well, and you're going to have to do it anyway, Dan, because you know I'm not, I'm not technical enough to, to know how to do that sort of thing. But, you know, maybe one of us could try and sneak it in and see if anyone else notices if you keep talking for a moment, Paul, I'll, I'll ask ChatGTP to write one right now. Oh, wow. So that's how easy it is. You're just going to ask ChatGPT. Okay, well, I'm curious to see the length. I'm curious to see the tone. And I'd be curious if you would like to deliver it in your using your podcast voice. You know <clears> what I mean? All right, this is it, Paul. This is it. Get ready. <clears throat> Welcome to Half Measures, the podcast that's all about delving deep into the world of television and movies. I'm your host, Daniel Wyden. I haven't incorporated you, so it's already it's already a floor. <laughs> and I'm thrilled to be your guide on the cinematic journey in a world where we often find ourselves pressed for time. Half Measures is all about taking an extra step to explore the shows and films that have captured our imaginations. Here, we believe in the power of the silver screen and the small screen to transport us to different worlds, make us laugh, cry, and ponder the complexities of the human experience. Whether you're a diehard fan, a casual viewer, or somewhere in between, Half Measures offers something for everyone. Each episode, we'll take a closer look at a specific TV show or movie, examining the nuances of storytelling, character development, cinematography, and much more. From timeless classics to the latest binge-worthy series, we'll discuss it all. Our aim is to provide you with an insightful commentary, entertaining discussions, and deeper appreciation for the art of visual storytelling. Well, I was absolutely wrong. No one would ever spot that that wasn't just off the cuff. Just in case anyone's wondering, because I'm sure someone is, this is not something we have planned at all, and you have literally just typed that in. I am shocked at what came out. Uh, so uh, the mistake, so I just went into chat GTP, and the, the mistake I made, I, I just said, write me a introduction to my TV and movie podcast, it's called Half Measures. I should have said in my request that there was two um, two hokos, and then it would have it would have allowed for that. But this is pretty good. I, I think are we, are we wasting our time with this podcast? Like this this is much better than anything we've done in 188 episodes. Maybe people should just go to GPT rather than listening to us. I mean, we've always prided ourselves, hence 
part of the reason for the name half measures that we don't put much preparation in. We literally watch the TV, eat the popcorn, and then come and sit down and talk about it, just like we used to on our lunch break. This is how it all started. But now I'm, st- I'm starting to think, would we be better off if we scripted this? I mean, can it, can it do a whole script for us? Uh, it probably could. In fact, we could probably, like, if we gave it the movies and then we got, you know, some sort of voice uh, over thing, it, it could take care of all of it. We don't even need to be here. We're, we're super strict requirements. Maybe when I'm talking about what I've been watching, maybe you could set up your GPT thingy to um, give us a review of our movie of the week. And when we do our movie of the week review, okay. we'll check we'll check in the AI and um, we'll see how we go next to that. All right, but, um, we'll do that. Uh, well, I'm excited for that. But until then, Dan, um, what have you, the non-artificial intelligence, what is the real intelligence of you been watching this week? Well, I've got a a couple of movies for you this week. Uh, The first one, Paul, uh, is one called Old Dads. This is a movie that, um, it's kind of right up our alley, to be honest. Well, you know, mostly. So this is a a 2023 Netflix uh, comedy. It stars Bill Burr, the comedian. Uh, He's also the writer and director of this one. This is one of those movies that just kind of, like I saw a trailer pop up about a a day or two before it actually appeared on Netflix. And it's basically about three best friends um, who become fathers later in life and they find themselves sort of battling preschool principals, millennial CEOs, and anything kind of after 1987. And what kind of really appealed to – look, I, I quite enjoy Bill, Bill Burr's sense of humour. Um, we obviously – he was great in The Mandalorian. Um, he's got a very kind of – like, you know, he's – He's the voice and efforts for family. Like he, he's right up our early Paul. Like he's he's kind of our age demographic. The pain that he feels is his sort of um his muse for his comedy. So this was a quite a fun movie to be honest. It's it's not by any stretch of the imagination a movie that's going to change your life. But I did have a couple of laugh out loud moments, and I think there's enough laugh out loud moments that that I would recommend this one to you next time you're just looking for a casual watch, like just seeing somebody and sort of like our age just deal with the modern world who's just so mm. and like it's a little bit different for us because obviously like. The the core to these three characters in this movie, who who kind of the stars is, they've run their own business as well. So, not only are they out of touch with kind of like the work life, like because they've they've just been living in their own bubble. And then, like you just imagine a, a completely completely modern sort of schooling situation, and it's quite funny because Bill Burr's character basically takes his his kid to this really kind of elite um, school where he has to kind of be an active member of the school, but he he often finds his, his sort of his mouth running away from him in the in the storytelling. <laughs> it's it, it's I don't want to say too much because it'll kind of ruin all the gags. I would say don't watch any trailers. Um, mm. Just kind of go into it blind, have a good time. It's as I say, it's it's got enough comedy, enough story, and enough heart to kind of keep it interesting. The runtime's only 144 minutes. So main cast, apart from Bill Burr, we've got uh, Bobby uh, Cannavale and uh, Book and Woodbine, who you would have seen in many other mm. uh, TV shows and, and comedies around the place. But it's a yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I great Saturday night watch. Sunday afternoon, probably not with the kids around, uh, but I think you'll get some laughs out of it. I do enjoy the co-star Boken Woodbine. Uh, Ghostbusters springs to mind. Queen and Slim, we saw him in. Um, Bill Burr is one of those people who 
I can never disassociate him from Frank Murphy from mm-hmm. Fist for Family, but I have no problem with that. I don't mind. I just imagine that it's 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 Frank Murphy in real life. I love this whole you know find themselves battling anything created after 1987. I think if I was if that was I don't know maybe 97 like anything after yeah, 1997, yeah, yeah. and that includes most of my music taste. Don't even bother. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah, I, I think I think for you in particular, I think you'll get something out of this. There's something definitely in here for you. It's um, so yeah, you can check this one out on Netflix. Um, but the other movie I want to talk to you about that I've watched is in the spirit of uh, Halloween, and we're getting into the the spooky season. I've watched a, a movie on uh, Apple Movies called Talk to Me, and so this is a. Uh, 2022 uh kind of hot off the press uh let's put it in the in the horror category i guess horror thriller and you know there's been lots of hype about this one as one of the 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 best horror thrillers to date um sort of newcomer directors who sort of come from the youtube world transitioning into film um Mm. I've heard this is one of those movies, again, like, if you're interested in it, like, don't watch the trailer. Like, the more that you can kind of go into this kind of blind, uh, highly recommended. So I'll give you a little bit of the plot details to give you a little bit of a flavor of what this is about. But um, this movie, Paul, All the Guns, I had such a good time. And, like, I don't, you know, I know we've got a few fans of the pod that are quite sort of deep into the the horror horror sort of side of the genre. Mm -hmm. It's not normally one that I, I I seek out like I'm a little bit of a scaredy cat but every now and again when you get like something that sort of comes highly recommended like I just can't I just can't help but like I've, I've got to watch it it's like you know we've talked about before like I had to watch Paranormal when it came out like it's I was going to mention it if you didn't say it I was going to mention that you had to watch it with the with the, the curtains open yeah that's right I, yeah, so so it's good so basically what we've got here is uh, it's it, it's the classic sort of horror setup, but you know, a group of friends um, basically discover uh, uh, they've got this hand. It looks like it looks like a mannequin hand, but it's it's basically like mm. an embalmed hand. And what happens is, you know, these these kids at parties, there's, there's basically this this thing they do where you kind of like hold the hand, and um, you know, you can't see that I'm doing this on the on this I audio podcast, but um, you hold the hand and, and you basically. You you say um, you say talk to me and, and and let me in and basically what happens is you kind of connect to the another realm and almost like a an exorcist type experience happens where a, a spirit will kind of like live through you and there'll be different spirits for different people and so they have this kind of general rule that like you only hold on to the hand for ninety seconds because if you do it any longer than that then um, you know spirit could be trapped in a different realm like you might die all sorts of things so as you can imagine things just go from from worse to worse in this type of situation so i guess my 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 core advice here is if you're at a party and someone's you know says you know hold this hand talk to me let me in i'd say stay away from it i'd say it's time to go time to get a new bit time to call your mum. just get the hell out of there um but i hope this this movie's fantastic it's i think it's so different um, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. It reminds me a lot of Hereditary, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic cast. I just I, I can't speak more highly about it. like it's just kind of it takes a really kind of like scary concept 
um, makes it kind of like there's some real dark scenes in here. There's some real great scene. There's some real sort of like emotional kind of grip to the whole story. And I think you know sometimes with a with a horror story, I think the story can be quite light. But this story is like it's super deep and it's really high quality. So look, this is a this is a, a must watch if you're looking for a spooky movie uh, for Halloween weekend. Well, that is that is where we're up to, isn't it? So this is perfect timing. Whereabouts am I watching this one then? Uh, so you'll have to rent this one um, from Apple oh, yeah. or Google or YouTube or whatever whatever platform takes your fancy. But it's um it's probably not too far off streaming. Um, but yeah, this is, and I think too because I know that when you're a bit of a horror junkie, like if you are, you probably you already probably know about this movie. You've probably already been to see it. You're probably all over the details. But if you're a little bit late to the party like myself, then I just just jump into it. Jump into it with the curtains closed. Uh, keep it dark, keep it spooky. It's going to be a good time. Great poster. Um, really, you know, just just a really great image. I haven't heard of, as you said, obviously these directors coming from YouTube, haven't heard of them before, haven't heard of any of the cast before, I don't think. So I love that it's something completely new, uh, something completely, completely fresh. I guess it's kind of like a, a modern day... Uh, well, kind of like if you think about the old the old Ouija board type movies, mm. um, but instead of everyone linking up hands and seeing where the letters go, this is more about holding the hand. I mean, I think, I think, uh, not that I'm condoning it either, but if you were at a party, I think the idea of being involved in a, in a Ouija board feels like, oh yeah, we're all doing something together. But this is like, no, I'm not holding that hand. Don't put that hand anywhere near me. And what's kind of like, um, I guess, sort of messed up or sort of like great about it is I love it when you take a concept like this, but you apply all of the modern day technologies. So basically what's happening is whenever somebody's kind of holding the hand and going through this process, you know, all the kids have got their phones out, they're videoing it, they're, mm. you know, like they're rewatching kind of other people get impacted by it. They see who gets the most messed up by it. They're recording what people say, like it's, you know, there's there's a ton of trauma to be built into this. Awesome. I I wouldn't mind a scary movie for for Halloween, so this will go on the list, and we'll see what comes out. I look forward to that, Paul. I look forward to your yeah. I would go into it blind though. Please just yeah, avoid those trailers, and I think you'll have a you'll have a great time. This but, feels um, to me the the way forward, Dan. Going 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 in blind, and I have mm-hmm. to admit, and I think you're the same. A Star Wars movie teaser trailer is is almost impossible to resist. And it's almost an experience in itself because it's like, then you, know, you have all the reaction videos. But other movies, I feel like I'm, I'm much more disciplined than I used to be. I feel like, and I feel like this is like almost like a new trend. I don't hear people talking about movie trailers like we used to. Yeah, I think it's good. Look, I went to the creator a few weeks ago, right? And I kind of knew nothing really about the movie, had a fantastic time. You know, like we always talk about the problem with like a Star Wars trailer is you start kind of, why haven't I seen this bit yet? When's this bit coming up? Like, yes. oh. And so, like, I, I think you're right. Like, if you can avoid a trailer as much as possible, uh, then I think you often, it kind of like, it helps to manage, like for me anyway, it manages my expectations. Like, I don't go into it with kind of like, high or low fears and i think often so much in trailers because they that they want to kind of bring in the views is they'll they'll ruin the best like mm. parts of the the goofs and the gags or the or the biggest scare and and you don't want that you want to keep it um keep it a surprise 
can often be a good experience i find with our movie of the week feature when you know you'll send me on a maybe a thursday or friday night two posters of two movies for me to choose one and sometimes i'll just go on the strength of the poster alone sometimes i'll go in and see oh what's the genre but often and it's that kind of going in blind it is good I do know that, Paul, when I'm, when I'm choosing the movies to send you, I really think about what poster I'm going to send you because I feel like if it's a movie, you know, it goes back into the psychology of like what movies you're going to pick. I like sometimes, especially on streaming, like they don't always have good posters out for, no. for movies. So you've really got to work hard to find a, a good poster to send through. I appreciate you putting that effort in, Dan. No worries. But that is me this week, Paul, apart from our movie of the week. Yeah. So, um, Movie and a show for me this week, Dan. And first up is the show. Uh, now this is a this is a twenty twenty three miniseries. Uh, it was filmed in Dagenham East at the old May and Baker's site, no less. And this is Hijack. Um, and I will be spoiler light. This is a series about a plane from. Dubai to London, it's hijacked over a seven-hour flight while the authorities on the ground scramble for answers. Now, firstly, seven-hour flight. This show is the perfect length, and I love that they've gone with, you know, almost a a very unusual seven episodes. So often with TV shows, and we talk about this a lot, they'll go with six or eight or ten they've decided you know it's a seven hour flight seven is right and they've tried not to stretch it or you know or speed it up and i really like it and it never it never drags it never it's got a real high tension to it throughout you've got idris elba in the lead he's superb and in some ways it's almost redundant that i have to say that because i i don't think i've ever watched anything and thought he wasn't anything other than that and this is written and yes i will say this this is written by friend of the podcast Jim Field Smith, who, for anyone new to Half Measures, has listened to our podcast and described it in writing as a thoughtful discussion, which I should probably add to our LinkedIn page. But anyway, he and George Kay wrote this miniseries, and I think he's right on the money, just as he was with Criminal UK. I was invested from start to finish. I found it exciting. I had no idea how it might end, who was going to survive. I didn't see any of the twists coming. And I really love a series that has an energy like this. There's not enough of them out there. And I feel like this one really hits the spot in terms of that drama thriller miniseries. Really good value. Is this one on your radar, Dan? It is on my radar. It's, um, it unfortunately hasn't made it to the the top of the pile yet, but, um, I guess the the big draw card for me is obviously Idris Elba, but, um, it, it does look intriguing. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, you, you you could be forgiven for saying, and this is a bit cheap, and I don't mean any disrespect. But you could almost like call it Luther on a plane, because he plays a, like a, a negotiator. So he's he's in you know in the he's in the industry, and he happens to be on this plane that happens to get hijacked, and he's he's very very good, as I say. But Neil Maskell was the leader of the hijackers. I thought he was exceptional. Um, I've seen him in, he was great in Litvinenko. I've seen him in Humans. And this is another performance where he's really, really convincing. But I just, yeah, I, I feel like I've seen a, quite a few sort of plain hijack movies, <laughs> but not TV series. And I'm sure many people have, but what the miniseries does is it gives you time 
to explore the nuances and the and the changing sort of psychological state of the passengers as these seven hours go on and so you're sort of living it real time and and with respect i don't think you can get that in a two-hour movie so again i think this genre as a miniseries you know cleverly written lots of layers lots of things going on the ground um different air traffic controllers across you know across that stretch from dubai to london uh the families on the ground of of passengers families of the hijackers and also you know idris elba's character is is sort of mid-breakup as well going onto the flight and so that complicates things as well so yeah i really got a lot out of this that i have heard you know there's been i've heard criticisms from other people who've watched this that it was kind of you know the sort of oh come on that would never happen or you know oh that's convenient that that happened at that exact moment and they happened to see it kind of thing and i get that um it didn't it didn't sort of sway me at all i I really stuck with it and enjoyed it i do know that some people can you know if something if something unusual happens or if they disagree with a decision that a character makes or something it can really throw them and i and i know just recently in our discord channel one of our um, regular contributors Sador mentioned that he he couldn't cope with what was happening in the Lincoln Lawyer season two and he stopped watching it because of a moment just like that but I don't think there's anything like that in this series I think this is top draw really exciting and as I say the seven episodes are just fly by what's interesting Paul is the flight time from London to Dubai is seven hours and 45 minutes so <laughs> it depends what airline you're going on then Oh, this right, particular airline's got a super fast plane that can just get you that little bit of, with a bit of headwind, you're fine. I just wonder whether that was sort of their connection to seven episodes, like just trying to like roughly yeah. kind of like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, um, yeah, putting aside the flight time, the seven episodes, I don't know, but I can't think of many. I just find it odd and I like it. Like I'm so used to six, eight, ten, and I just thought mm-hmm. seven is just, it's just different and it's just, just worked really, really well and, um, yeah, great support cast. And again, I've said it a million times on this podcast, that confined space of a plane always brings around certain certain elements and, and brings out certain things in people that uh, I think you get a lot out of it. So I guess the, the question for this, Paul, is like, should I be trying to get this watch in before the end of the year? Like, is this a, is this a contender for any of the Half Measures Awards? This, this, this is... We talked about this last week in terms of our shortlist, and this this has gone on my list. This this mm. has really resonated with me, so I'd be really curious to hear what you have to say about it. Um, it's Apple TV. The production standards, you know, all the quality, just you know, across the board, superb. And um, yeah, really, as I said, really, the writer, you know, Jim Field Smith and George K together. There's something about it that just works well, and I was just really excited once i saw you know idris elba plus jim field smith i was like can't wait i think i i foolishly hadn't made the connection between criminal and uh hijack and it, uh, instantly it, it, it sort of bumps it up the the priority for me so i i probably need to jump on it yeah i think you i think i think you'll enjoy it um ben miles is another actor i really really enjoy we, we saw him a while ago in in Red Joan, and um, he's shown up in Andor. He's another good actor that I really enjoy, and he's 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 the pilot. So um, mm. yeah, there's there's lots to 
lots to enjoy in this one, but I'll say no more because I don't want to spoil anything. Suffice to say, I got a lot out of it. Um, and then the movie for me this week, uh, somewhat unsurprisingly, is the the 2014 remake, Robocop. Um, so this one is set in 2028 Detroit, uh, when Alex Murphy, a loving husband and father, and a cop is critically injured in the line of duty. And while well, we all know what happens next, I think we've 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 talked about this enough and this is a movie i watched when it came out in 2014 and i remember thinking it was good if not spectacular and i i had sort of no major memories coming back into this beyond the cast as to exactly how the story would unfold so this is my first ever rewatch of this movie and i have to say on the back of watching that original trilogy back to back i was hyped for this and as you would say dan i had a really good time I thought this movie was way better than I remembered. I think it's way better than the critics have talked about it. I think it's way better than the ratings would suggest it is. And it has a lead cast that I rate across the board. Um, Yeah, I am just really enjoyed this. It's funny, isn't it? Because if you'd said to me who's in the 2014 uh, Robocop reboot, I would not have said Joel Kinnaman. I would not have said Gary Oldman. I would not have said Samuel L. Jackson. I wouldn't have said Michael Keaton. Like, it's kind of, I, I just have such a a vague memory. Like, I remember watching this movie, but I don't remember mm-hmm. any of the cast. So, I think that's interesting that you say that because, yeah, that it kind of maybe stands the test of time a little bit better than, um, like maybe it just got hit pretty hard because it, it wasn't like the original Robocop and but now as you say you've been on the journey you've been on the adventure could be time to give it another go I think if you watch all four back to back I think I'll be really interested to hear anyone who does that what how they feel about this one coming out of it I'll get it out of the way because I've been dying to say it since I started watching it you have got Michael Keaton aka Batman and Gary Oldman aka <laughs> Commissioner Gordon so you've got these two actors who've played these two characters but in different you know mm. versions of it together on screen together i really appreciated those two together they're really awesome opposite one another not always seeing eye to eye but the star for me joel kinnaman as robocop because i've i've come to really really come to appreciate joel kinnaman because he's the lead in for all mankind and so with that show being one of my all-time favorite shows i've really come to appreciate his performances throw in um abby cornish throw in uh samuel jackson um uh, jay baruchel uh, jennifer l who was the original um, miss bennett in the 95 pride and prejudice that's just all through the cast is absolutely superb and then what they do which really is where it, it talks to the um the benefit of having seen the other three is that they just have little things throughout that if you were to watch this in isolation, you possibly wouldn't spot. So they have snippets of the original music from the original movie. They use it sparingly, which is really good. Um, They have lots of lines from the original movie that are just used, but not sort of like big blockbuster moments that just like casually thrown into into the conversation, like the, the old thank you for your cooperation and dead or alive, you're coming with me. Maybe that's a little bit more obvious, but um. They have the these Ed 209s walking around, which of course was from the original. There's just a lot of things in there that if you're a fan of the original movie, or even if you just remember it as, as a kid, you, you're going to enjoy. 
they have him in two different suits throughout this movie. So the main suit that he's in and the main one that you see in the poster is this sort of sleeker black, almost almost Iron Man sort of looking suit, if you like. But the start of the movie, he's actually walking around in a silver prototype suit, which is very similar to the original. And I actually prefer that probably because it just reminds me of the old one. But um, no, there's there's a lot in here to enjoy and as a, once again i watched this with my my 14 year old son and, and he absolutely loved it and when i sort of showed him the reviews because i sort of he was like oh what's the next one what's the next one i was like well this one didn't go down well with the critic son and there is no more he was gutted it's um look i, I you know we've seen it before but i think you've, you've created a, a lifelong fan here i i wouldn't be surprised to see this movie kind of or this this franchise rebooted another time um I was just going to say, Dan, Amazon bought the rights to this and they have ordered a movie and a TV series starting with the movie. So there is going to be more coming, but it won't be it won't be connected to this because this is nearly 10 years old. So mm-hmm. this movie for me deserved a sequel. It never happened. It's a real shame. There was more story to tell with this newly reimagined universe with, with Joel Kinnaman in the suit, but it's just not to be. But yeah, as you've predicted it has been bought by amazon and it was one of their things they identified as a priority apparently well i kind of feel like this is kind of i'm just going to go into indb to make sure i'm not how far off the how right or wrong i might be on this this does look oh i guess it's not that early but it's i kind of feel like it's early in joel kinnaman's like mainstream career like he's obviously done a lot before that but i feel like from here he's kind of gone from strength to strength obviously went into the killing um, Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, amazing Hannah. Oh, for all mankind. Yeah. So yeah, this is, it, and I would imagine if Joel Kinnaman was in it today, it would be huge. It would be a blockbuster. Yeah, that's it. At the time, I wouldn't have known him, but now forty episodes of For All Mankind later, mm-hmm. I definitely do. So um, so yeah. So um, I think this was a real highlight for me, just to sort of like bookend this of the four movies. Um. Me and my 14-year-old, we ranked them um, from from worst to best. He went with three, four, two, one. And my order would be three, two, four, one. So I put this in second place only to the original. And just while I'm rounding this out, Dan, he was very excited, my son, to hear about the video game you told me about that was coming out last week as well, the Rogue City and... He got so hyped, he already tried to pre-order it. I mean, just that really took me to a place where I was like, this this was not like, you know, when we were kids, right? That wasn't how it worked. I used to have to wait until the weekend, then jump on a, a rickety bus for 45 minutes, go to town, and then walk into the one shop that would sell games from my Atari ST and hope that there might be something there that I'm interested in. No pre-ordering on dad's credit card or having it delivered or just downloaded onto your console. Where is the struggle for these kids these days? Uh, my, I would even say it's probably even a little bit worse. Like, I can't imagine at all saying to my mum or dad, you know, like they'd already invested deep in the Womble wallpaper. Even, <laughs> think, right. even thinking about spending a hundred plus dollars on a game for me, it would have been like, I could maybe like head down to the video store to try and rent it, but there might be a copy in there and I, I may or may not be able to get it. And then, uh, 
you know, it's then I might like book it for the next day and then like I'm relying on that person bringing it back and I'm having to ring the video store like five times, like is it back yet? Is it back yet? Is it back yet? You know, so look, it's it's a different world. We um, this is why you need to watch old dads, Paul. This is this is yeah. a classic example. That's right. I felt like an old dad as I went on what came out as a bit of a rant in the end, but uh, no, there's. Yeah, you know, talking of rants, so some of the criticisms, because I'll sort of dive into the reviews, sort of think, what's people's problem with this movie? And people are like, oh, there's too much action, too many explosions. But this is Robocop, and I think you kind of get what you ask for, so I have no complaints about that. But like I say, some of the, just the the characters, the, you know, the Gary Oldman, Michael Keaton characters, just some of the dialogue that they have is just really performances of the highest quality that have just gone right under the radar for my money. And uh, I would 100% recommend this movie to anyone and as i say definitely on the back of at least the first movie Hmm. i really love that uh that your son ranked these in like he kind of like he likes the originals more like that's that's awesome like it's it's so good because you just would imagine that you know the modern ones would kind of resonate but no i think that's credit to him yeah no i I felt the same thing because uh we both put three which deserves to be last but he ranks two ahead of four, and I thought two was pretty middle of the road as well. So, so yeah, I really, I really appreciate that as well because uh, it's easy for anyone this day to, to sort of look at older material and just sort of not give it as much due. So yeah, mm. very good. Where did you watch this one, Paul? You hired uh, this it, right? was yeah, this was also because it's just so hard to find movies sometimes. So. It's another rental, so you can rent it. Like you said, it's either Google or Apple or YouTube. It's uh, it's if you haven't got this on disc, I mean, we've had this conversation before. Sometimes you've got no choice but to rent a floppy disk. <laughs> a floppy, <laughs> just like the thing on the save icon, right? Indeed, indeed. Oh, good times. So, uh, should we jump into our movie of the week? Let's go for it. Uh, so. As we were talking about before, uh, each week, Dan, myself, and the AI take it in turns to to review a movie. We announce what that movie will be a week in advance, and uh, we announce what that movie will be in our Discord community, which you can join if you'd like to by clicking on the link in the show notes. Uh, this time, Dan, uh, the movie of the week was one that was previously put up for selection and has come back for a second time. This is a movie that was suggested to us from our Patreon producer, Michael Chalmers, and it is the 2023 movie Reptile. Indeed it is. So this is a movie you can check out on Netflix. Uh, so basically, uh, Tom Nichols is a hardened New England detective, unflinching, unflinching in his pursuit of a case where nothing is as it seems, and begins to dismantle the illusions of his own life. So the immediate sort of draw card for me is a, a couple of things. It's got a, a fantastic poster slash tile card in Netflix, but mm-hmm. front and centre of that tile card, you've got uh, Benicio Del Toro, you've got Justin Timberlake, uh, you've got Alicia Silverstone, like what a combo, like, you know, and, you, and you've kind of got, I've kind of seen these sort of headlines around the place, uh, particularly for Benicio Del Toro, that this is his greatest movie since Sicario, which I think mm-hmm. is a is a, is a big statement to, to pull is, out. And, and obviously, because, you know, not only is he starring in this, he's also one of the, um, the writers as well. So look, this is a, an interesting movie. It was maybe a little bit more of a a slow burn than I was than I was maybe anticipating, um, but it is kind of a good 
crime noir thriller mystery I guess um like it, it was it was it was good I don't know whether I loved it but I loved the cast and I loved kind of the the undertone and the mood of the film but I think the story probably didn't quite um hit the tempo that I was kind of looking for in this movie how did you find this one mm. before we forget Dan just you mentioning Sicario we still we still haven't got around to watching the second Sicario movie that he's in as well and I feel like I feel like that's a loop I'd like to close. Um, this I've, movie, I've seen that, Paul. Just out of um, you have? I saw it in I saw it in Ireland of all places. It was of um, many, many years ago. I, I went with um, Paddy and, and Trisha, obviously from Makes Time Happens Temp. No, it was uh, it was well before the the podcast days, I believe. But yes, um, yeah, it was. we. I would love to actually do a double watch of those movies, like do Sicario one and two again. Like yeah, good times. That first movie was fantastic. Anyway, back to Reptile. Um, I hear what you're saying. This. Because for me, I I have mixed feelings about this throughout. This movie looks absolutely brilliant. I, I love the style. And um, funnily enough, the, um, the director, uh, Sir Grant Singer, who interestingly enough is actually famous for, for music videos. He's done Taylor Swift with Lord, with Sam Smith and others. He, so he writes and directs this. And I think it looks absolutely brilliant in terms of, you know, the visuals, the lighting, the angles of the camera, the zoom, all of those things, absolutely top notch. And I really enjoyed how this movie just looked. I thought it was very accomplished, but I know what you're saying. And I agree it is a slow burn. It's a deliberate pace, but this movie is, is at least 30 minutes too long for my money. And those 30 minutes are slow minutes. I think it's a great start. I think it's a really superb finish, but it takes, it, it takes a really slow, really frustrating dip in the middle. The sort of dip where I feel tempted to check my phone or maybe make a drink without pressing pause. Oh yeah. Look, I think you're right. Like that's, that's probably uh a good call that like like two hours 14 is a bit of yeah. a stretch for this type of movie that, but like but i th- i think you're right like all the pieces are kind of there like they've got the cast they've got the they've kind of got like a, a, a quite a um good dark story they've got like kind of the mood they've got that like even the lighting like everything's yeah. kind of kind of great and i and like we we often do like a sort of a, a slow build sort of tension builder but i think this one maybe just i think it I think it just stuck around a little bit too long, which Correct. is unfortunate because I think it kind of sours you on a movie like this. And I've sort of, I know a couple of people that have watched this movie and, and talking to them over the weekend and everyone kind of actually kind of had a similar vibe. Like it was, they found themselves, as you say, on their phone, making a cup of tea, doing something else. Mm. And I think in a movie like this, you actually want your your viewer to really kind of stick with the tension and kind of go on the journey. And you don't want to kind of let them off the hook. Um, this is a, which is a shame. Yeah, you're right. It is a shame. This is the sort of movie that would benefit from having watched it in the cinema because in the cinema, typically you shouldn't be checking your phone. Certainly not if I'm in the cinema with you and you're not making a cup of tea and it is dark. And so you're going to really appreciate that whole look and feel of it because there is a mood, there is a tone, there is a feeling of experience to this. And I'm worried that, as I'm getting older, am I becoming impatient? I don't know what it is, but I just, I was like, come on, let's get going. Let's get going. And true enough, it came back with a really strong finish, but 
yeah, there was too much in between. Benicio, as you say, is just, he is top quality. He's got a real, I don't know if he is, you know, they say like a method actor, but he's just got a real look about him that just, he just feels like he goes deep, 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 like a, you know, sort of like a Daniel Day-Lewis, Robert De Niro type deep into a character. And he, uh, you know, every time he got his glasses out to check something up close, he had that movement that was just really pronounced. And, and I just thought alongside that, I thought Justin Timberlake was actually quite convincing. And I thought Alicia Silverstone, who I haven't seen, I've seen her once recently. And I know you and I watched her in it and I just can't put my finger on what it was we saw her in. And I thought she was good in that, but I haven't seen much of her, you know, in, in many years, but she's come out sort of with a couple of movies lately, which I've just really actually quite enjoyed. Yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, I think the wider cast is good, right? Like, I, like, I, I enjoy kind of even Justin Timberlake's range, right? Like, he's, he's got such a, you know, he can go dark, he can go fun. Like, he's, he's really like someone who's, I think, made the great transition from music to, to film as well and, and does it with style. I'm with you. Like, I'm, I feel like Alicia Silverstone is like, you know, she was so big when I was sort of like, you know, in my teenage years, like she was in movies like Clueless, she was Batgirl, and she's kind of really kind of like dropped off the radar. So it was it was kind of cool to see her see her back again. And I think just collectively as a as a package, um, I thought that would it all seemed to work for me. Yeah, no, it really did it really did come together well. And if there was like a director's cut where they shaved off thirty minutes in the middle, mm-hmm. um I feel like this is, again sounds really rude after I've just sort of, you know, sort of been talking at this director who's also the writer. I feel like you could almost, having established who the characters are at the start, you could almost walk away for 20 minutes and come back and still be able to pick it up and get as much out of it as I did, which doesn't say much for the for the 20 minutes in between. Um, it was Catfight was the other movie, Dan. Um, oh, of course. We saw right. Alicia Silverstone, mm-hmm. in, which a movie that... Perhaps we didn't enjoy too much, but her performance was good in it once again. So, uh, yeah, so there's that about it that I liked. I loved the music. I thought it was like a haunting, sort of eerie feel. Um, It was very subtle in its approach. And it also made me jump a few times, which was quite cleverly done, because it wasn't, um, you know, we're sort of talking spoilerish, I guess, but there was moments where something happened and it was shocking. And then he just woke up in a dream. You know, it was it was well done. Yeah. Where does this one kind of sit for you on the the Guns of Gimbo scale? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down the middle then, which is harsh mm. because there is so much I love about it. But I've got to be honest and say to someone, two hours fourteen. I don't know if I'd recommend it, and that's that's terrible, isn't it? But that's my rating. Two two guns for me. What about yeah. you? Yeah, I would say two as well, and I think, and that's a real big thing for me. Like, would I recommend the movie? And mm. I, I, I just don't know if I would because there's there's too many factors to consider. Like, it's it's a bit hard to tell whether it's everyone's genre. Like, it's a little bit. I think you just say like, I don't think most people would kind of have the staying power. And saying that, I, I sometimes do wonder because obviously when we watch these movies, like we're thinking about it for the pod. But if I was just watching it personally this might have taken me like two or three nights to get through because I might have just been like, oh, this is a bit much or it's going a bit slow, so I'll, I'll stop it and come back. So, Yeah, I I would I would uh, say if there could be a director's cut, that would be great. But yeah, I think it's interesting we've both come out the same way uh, in, in that respect and you've spoken to other people who have a similar experience and uh, 
I do feel like this director has got a real feel and a real style. You know, we talk about this a lot with Scorsese, with Christopher Nolan, with Guy Ritchie, with different different directors who have a style. And I felt like I love the style, and I'd love a I'd love a two point go at something else with a you know see what else he can produce. But mm, that's mm. for the future. No, I agree. I agree. I'd love to see more. <clears throat> Very good. So you can check that out on Netflix. What's your pick of the week, Dan? I think for me, it's going to have to be Talk To Me. Um, actually, it is Talk To Me. I've got we've, we've got to go backwards, Paul. We've got to go back a step because I, I did the, the the chatbot review of Oh, sorry. Um, How rude of me to forget. No, the, no. The, I, the I, I completely forgot the, about it. The pod. And... And I want to read it out because I think this has secured our jobs for a little Good. bit longer. Oh, thank at least. goodness. And I think this could even be a feature that maybe we, we bring it in. So let, let me kind of roll with this and I'll see how far through I get. So this is how it starts. Welcome to Half Measures, where we explore the world of television and movies, taking a closer look at the stories that captivate us. Today, we've got an intriguing Netflix movie to dive into, Reptile. Reptile is a unique blend of science fiction, suspense, psychological drama that had us on the edge of our seats from start to finish. Directed by, insert director's name here, and starring, insert lead actor's name here, this film is an intense exploration of identity and human nature. The story centers on a mysterious event that leaves the world in chaos, with people inexplicably transforming into reptilian creatures. What sets Reptile apart is its focus on character development. The protagonist, brilliantly portrayed by, insert lead actor's name here, grapples with their newfound identity as they navigate a hostile, post-apocalyptic world. It goes on. But um, it's completely missed the brief, so we are safe for another week here on the Half Mrs. Podcast. That's fascinating. See, if this had been around back in the day, I'd be trying to do my school homework through this thing, and instantly I would have got found out by my history teacher right away when suddenly the dinosaurs showed up in, you know, medieval Rome or, or whatever. Indeed. Interesting. Indeed. Anyway, taking us back to Pick of the Week. So, yeah, it's, it's talked to me, I think, just such a fantastic horror. And I, I know it's a good horror when I, I walk away raving about it. And it's not kind of just the, the blood and guts horror. It's kind of a, a deep psychological thriller. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's one I'd highly recommend. How about yourself, Paul? So, for me, I'm going to go with Hijack. Uh, as I said, perfect length thriller TV miniseries, just a lot of excitement, a really strong story. And often I think maybe I'm guilty of this. You go into a hijack movie thinking, oh, well, I've got an idea what's going to happen here and I've got an idea how it might end. Hijack could could test some of those sort of assumptions. I love that. So with that, uh, that's a... Uh, Pick of the week. Um, for anyone who's new to the pod, I might add at this point, um, you can find all of our reviews at havemeasurespodcast.com. Uh, we have an A to Z there that you can search through over 800 TV shows and movies. So if you're looking for something specific, you can find a review in there and the link to the podcast to listen to it. Or you can just click on our top picks to see the reviews of only those that we give all of the guns to. But for now, Dan, what's the latest news from the movie and TV industry? And I don't want the AI version. I want the, the, the live DWK version, please. 
Alright, so full of mistakes and errors. Um, I've only got a few things for you today. So uh, the Hunger Games is heading to the London stage in 2024. So this is going to be uh, the first ever live uh, stage adaption of the of the Hunger Games novels. And so yeah, if you are you know, looking to be a, a tribute or love the theatre, then this could be a fun one to check out uh, next year. I'd be really curious to see who does who does the voiceover, uh, you know, the introducing of the 76th annual Hunger Games to see how they, how they go um, replicating that. It's a really interesting movie to have as a play. I would imagine this would be a lot of fun as a, as a play. Like I oh, imagine, yeah. you know, there's going to be great sets, there's going to be great costumes. Um, I wonder, I, I presume it's probably going to be quite musical in parts as well. Mm-hmm. So um, it will be interesting. Uh, Mission Impossible 8 has been delayed. So that was originally, that this is going to be the sequel to Dead Reckoning, was going to be coming out in 2024. That has been delayed to 2025 amid the ongoing actors' strike. So we'll have a bit more time before we'll be able to sort of close out the series there. Uh, this is big news, Paul. Paddington in Peru gets its theatrical release date and it will be hitting cinemas in November 2024. Um, not in the US though until January 2025. So, look, we're, I'm a big fan of Paddington here on the pod. So, um, I mm. definitely will be looking for. In fact, I would almost go as far to say I might even go to the theatre to see this when it comes out. Paddington in Peru on the big screen. It's coming to this podcast soon. I'm there for it. Um, two other things for you. So, Taylor Swift with her Eras tour, which is obviously a a concert, but it's also out in movie theatres around the world. Um, that has managed to hold off uh, Killers of the Flower Moon uh, over the box office in the weekend. So I believe it pulled another $23 million, uh, over the weekend, So, which is a, a pretty incredible effort. I can almost and see Maris Scorsese's ruffled brow shaking his head at that, at that news. It's interesting. I've actually, I saw a few videos actually over the last few days saying if you are going to see um, Killers of the Flower Moon, you want to make sure that when you go to see it, it's not at the same time as the Eras tour because there's people so much singing and music and stuff coming from it, and actually sort of derails the uh, the movie experience for mm. for the Scorsese audience. Then final final bit of news for me. So the boys spin-off, um, Gen V, has just been renewed for series two. They've just about finished the first season. I haven't started watching it yet. I think the last episode comes out on the third of November, so it's probably about time for me to jump into that show. But that's always a, a very good sign when season two gets greenlit. But Paul, that is me for now. Any news on your side? The only thing that caught my eye this week and I I got duped into thinking it was something which it wasn't i saw there was you know we're talking about trailers i saw oh squid game the challenge and i was like oh wow and then i remembered of course it's the reality tv show um which is is happening and netflix dropped a trailer for it giving a a sort of a glimpse at some of the challenges that people will be doing in this and all i'm really interested in is squid game season two but for now feels like Netflix is going to try and cash in on the success of this franchise with some reality TV, which I'll be honest with you, I'm not here for. And I'm going to have to, like the rest of the world, probably wait even longer um, for the next game of Red Light, Green Light um, for season two. 
Very good. Anything in the mailbag this week? Okay, so firstly, our review of Blue Lights, which was the Irish police drama. Um, we had a lot of attention on that one last week. And to add to that, uh, this week, the lead actress, uh, Hannah McLean, who played Officer Robinson, shared our review uh, to her followers. We also had the official fan site of Nestor Carbonoli, who you remember from Lost, who also stars in The Morning Show. They shared our review of The Morning Show on the official fan site with their followers. That's pretty good. Um, talking of The Morning Show, Britt from Nelson uh, was listening to me talk about The Morning Show and was very confused as to why I was talking about a TV show on Apple TV Plus, starring Jennifer Aniston with Reese Witherspoon, with Steve Carell, and why it wasn't the show that she's been watching. And she goes on to say that the show she's been watching is called The Morning Wars. And she said, oh, you've got the show wrong. It's The Morning Wars. It's not The Morning Show. So a bit of investigation then. It turns out that this, this Brit from Nelson has been watching a Australian streaming account of Apple TV. Not quite sure how that works, but we won't go there. And The Morning Show in Australia is not permitted to have the name The Morning Show, just like Burger King isn't called Burger King in Australia. It's called, what's it called? Hungry Hungry Jacks? Oh, Hungry Jacks. Or, yeah? yeah, Hungry Jacks. Just for yeah. anyone who's never heard that one before. And in Australia, the TV show has to go by the name The Morning Wars. And so... I found that fascinating to think someone would be listening to me talk about the morning show and think, why is he saying the morning show? That's wrong. But yeah, if you're logging into Apple TV through an Australian Apple access, it would come up on the title card and all the things as the morning wars. So there we go. That, that is incredible. And I've got so many questions, but I, I dare and ask. But um, yeah, that's a... Uh, mm. Wow. Uh, what else have we got? So we've got a late, late peak performance from uh, Michael from North Carolina for Scarlett Johansson. He gave us a 3-2-1 of Manny and Lowe, Ghost World and Matchpoint. I think at least two of those are deep cuts that I've not seen before. So could be worth checking those out. I do always appreciate Michael bringing some deep cuts to the peak performance. Um, on to last week's peak performance, which is Ryan Reynolds and Michael gives two picks here. Adventureland and Deadpool. Um, we had Rowan from Wellington went with the Green Lantern. Hashtag represent. Um, I love that he's obviously acknowledging that that's probably not a popular choice. But Dan, every movie has its, you know, it has its fan base. And, and I love that. And I'm like this with many movies. One example that always springs to mind is Six Days, Seven Nights that everyone in the world seems to hate. But I love it because for me, it's basically Han Solo the comedy. <laughs> what else have we got here uh, Diana from the Capitol Coast went with 2009's The Proposal adding I've just spotted this movie as available on Disney Plus so I'm going to rewatch this movie tomorrow I love that peak performance has this effect on people uh, Samara from Taranaki went with Deadpool 1 and Paddy from Time to Have and Tink Podcast gave us a 3-2-1 of Spirited the proposal also makes his list, and the peak performance for him was Deadpool 2. So I'd like to say at this point, do keep your peak performances coming in. We know that there are lots of regular listeners out there who who don't listen live to the podcast each week. 
and I got to admit, Dan, I don't know about you, I'm the same with a lot of podcasts I listen to. I'm always maybe a couple of weeks behind. And I know from at least one person this week who says that they're always too late to contribute to the peak performance. And I say, no matter when you listen to the pod, it's never too late to write in. And I think Ian from Miami is is a good example of that. In fact, Ian's been, you've been too quiet of late. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing, Dan, he's probably lifting weights on the beach, pumping that iron, drinking that freshly squeezed Florida orange juice that's, you know, available for a fair and affordable price and he's too busy to ride in. That, that was my immediate thought. He's he's definitely, you know, he's he's putting in the time, he's getting the gains. So, yeah. but look, yeah, as, as you say, it's always great to hear from people. So never feel like it's too late. And to round out our mailbag this week, a special shout out to Jacinta from Lower Hut, aka Jay Lau from the His Hut. Uh, who said that her favourite part of the podcast is always the last 15 to 20 minutes of mailbag and peak performances and that she will be listening to this week's episode from bed as she's recovering at home following some surgery she had in hospital earlier this week. Jacinta, we wish you a very speedy recovery. Um, and also, Jacinta, I think given you're in bed, I think you should listen to the whole episode, not just the 20 <laughs> minutes. You know, You've got the time. <laughs> Hopefully you've got plenty of recommendations from us to watch whilst you're recovering, Aaron. We'd sure be keen to hear if you do. That is our mailbag there, Dan. Dan. It must be time for peak performance. Indeed. So like a movie of the week, Dan and I take turns to choose someone from the industry and look back at their career and pick out what their best performance is. This week, Paul, you have put on the table um, a, a classic English actor, uh, Mr. Ray Winstone. So um, I can kick us off if you like. I've got a, a couple of unique choices for you this week. So uh, my honourable mention, I'm actually going to give it to the 2007 movie Beowulf. So this is a movie where Ray Winstone is the the voice actor and this is this movie I remember I remember going to the theater to see this movie in 2007 and I felt like it kind of blew my mind how mm. kind of like the like like today I don't think it would stand the test of time but I think that the animation and the effects back then were just like whoa this is this this is like video game incredible and so not only that it's a it's a Neil Gaiman um you know, help to bring this to life. I think Ray's portrayal as Beowulf is fantastic. Bring, he's got such a unique voice and such a, a great character. But for my peak performance, Paul, I'm dipping deep into the old um, lolly jar and I can't go past the, what, what for me is the the original, the 1984 Robin Hood. This is the, the Robin oh, wow. Hood that I actually, I grew up watching this Robin Hood. Um, I was always a huge, huge fan of um, Ray Winston as Will Scarlet, and I spent many a day in the backyard um, with my cousins and friends making bow and arrows, just loving this TV show, and even just like flicking back through this TV show now kind of makes me want to kind of check it out, but this was my first introduction to Robin Hood, will always have a special place. Um, it probably doesn't stand the test of time, but in my in my mind, um, Will Scarlet has always been a real real badass character. So, um, yeah, Beowulf and 1984's Robin Hood. So good. So good. I love it when you bring something old to the pod, like proper old. That's good. I love that. Um, speaking of which, when you were talking about Beowulf, 
and sort of like the effects at the time being wow and would it stand the test of time that always makes me think i remember to show my age going to the cinema 1992 to watch the lawnmower man um with jeff a pierce brosnan and just being blown away by these graphics just do yourself a bit of comedy fun and just watch the trailer for 30 seconds and you will not believe what you're witnessing anyway back to um back to ray winstone this is quite a fascinating one for me this week as just as you were talking and i was getting my two movies up to look at i've just noticed that my half measure and my peak performance are both obviously both ray winston movies that would help but they're both performances from films written by the same writer um which is is unusual one's from 2000 the other is from 2009 the 2009 movie is my honorable mention and that is 44 inch chest in which uh, ray winston is playing a a right old dirty old cockney geezer you know like i can't even look at him in that poster without just going straight in like I'll be talking like I've got phlegm in the back of my throat and maybe I can end it myself. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's a bit of a gangster film, but it's, it's, it's what happens to a man when everything is taken from him. And he's so, he's so good in that alongside uh, John, John Hurt, Tom Wilkinson, Joanne Wally. He's really quite scary because he's got that, you know, that gangster thing going on, but he's also quite hurt. And it's really interesting dynamic to have those two things together. And he just pulls it off so well. Honestly, this is an hour and a half movie, easy watch. And like I say, you'll come out of it the other side talking like this for a week, sunshine. Now, the other movie is another gangster movie. I try not to do too much accent there. And this is my peak performance, which is the first movie he made with the writers uh, Louis Mellis and, and David Sinto. And that is Sexy Beast, in which he plays the character Gal, who is a, a retired safecracker who gets pulled into a, a lucrative deal for one last job by a mob boss. Why is it always people who are retired who always get pulled in for, is this what I need to do? Do I need to retire as a designer? And all of a sudden the job offers will come through the, through the door. I don't know. But um, anyway, this whole thing goes sideways. And once again, he's opposite a couple of geezers in the form of Ben, call me Gandhi Kingsley and Ian McShane, AKA Lovejoy, If you remember that from the eighties and this is a top gangster movie. And I really need to put some context around it. For me, I would place this above the likes of Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels or or, or, wow. uh, or or Legend with Tom Hardy or The Gentleman. I am a massive fan of this movie. And I didn't watch it when it first came out because the title, Sexy Beast, didn't really sort of grab my eye. And the internet wasn't what it was back in 2000. So I didn't realize what this movie was about and or who was in it. And then I discovered it. And this is far and away mary winston's best performance for me I, I would recommend this of course only to people who don't have issues with lots of swear words including all the really bad ones wow this is uh almost seems to go on the list i haven't seen this movie at all so um oh dan i think this is a movie of the week material i i cannot wait to hear your your opinion of particularly some of the ben kingsley lines in this movie I love a good just when I think I'm out they pull me back in moment and this is uh this feels like one of them. I'll have to try and uh, track down where that is. Interestingly enough, just as a side note, 
I've just spotted looking at the writers in the next two weeks, bearing in mind this movie is 2000 in the next two weeks, they're releasing a prequel TV series, which is a prequel to this film, which follows follows the origins of the characters who Ray Winston and Ben Kingsley play. And it's written once again by these same writers again. And it just so happens we've got our peak performance today. And this it's kind of like the Robocop, you know, we, you know, we, we revisit Robocop in the, the suddenly, there's a documentary coming out. It's um, I'll be very interested to watch that TV show. Very nice. It's uh, looks like it's on Apple TV the higher at the moment. So um, is it? yeah, might have to check that one out. Paul, I think this brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does indeed. Thanks as always for listening. As I said, do drop us in your peak performances for Ray Winston, Ryan Reynolds, Scarlett Johansson, wherever you're up to. Or if you have any suggestions of what we should be watching or a comment about anything we've reviewed, get in touch with us at halfmeasurespodcast.com or on our social media. Also, a very special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Dinah Kanawa, Trisha Brady and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon of the Half Measures Podcast, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.